Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. I'm so glad you're with us uh, wherever you're joining us. If you're joining us on the airwaves here in Santa Barbara, California at TVSB, we welcome you. And, and of course, we welcome so many of you from all over the world who are joining us at goodlifetelevision.org and at our YouTube channel. And uh, and then now, over the last few months, we've seen lots of you joining the podcast, which is great. So you can listen to all these interviews at Good Life Conversations is the name of the podcast. Any of the podcast platforms, you can find us there. And then uh, we're also on all the social media platforms and everywhere else. So we're we're just glad you're with us. We're talking about the good stuff. We're talking with great people great projects, great visions, great entrepreneurs, overcomers. We've had such a great uh, lineup of wonderful guests over the last few years. And so we're, we're glad that you're with us for the ride. I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, he is a writer, a producer, a director, an actor. He's the founder and CEO of Canon Vision Productions. Joseph Cannon is with me. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to have you with us. Uh, I've been been reading about you and and kind of some of these great projects you've been involved in, and I I can't wait to dive in. But but start. I know I know you were born in Chicago. Take us through kind of your upbringing and where you came from. I uh, grew up on the South Side, Chicago. Uh, you know, I went to private school, uh, studied there, then I left and uh, graduated, and I did my undergrad in North Dakota. In uh, Valley City, North Dakota. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Went up there, uh, played basketball, ran track. And then after finishing at Valley, I came back to Chicago where I attended uh, DePaul University uh, for my master's. Uh, then leaving there, coming out to Los Angeles where, uh, where I taught school for a little bit in Chicago. I actually taught in my elementary school that I attended uh, for, for a year. And then I moved out to Los Angeles, where I continue to teach all the while still uh, pursuing a career uh, in entertainment. And is that something, was was the entertainment field always something that you wanted to head towards? Oh, absolutely. Uh, from day one. But the small problem was I had a, a, a horrible speech impediment. So being in front of the camera was the last thing on my mind, even though... <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to. I just knew that it was very, it was going to be very challenging. So yeah. I, I threw all of my uh, desires into being behind the camera as a writer, producer, director, but writing mainly. So I was able to uh, get my way through the door, get my foot in the door through the uh, as a writer. Wow. Was there, when you were, growing up or was there somebody who inspired you in terms of the world of film and or was, was it just something you always had the bug to do uh no there was a the bob burton uh from from roots and and uh star trek next generation and the reading rainbow i mean it goes on and on yeah uh, he was known for film uh uh our version back in the day of wakanda forever for roots you know he started yep. in in the, uh, the, the miniseries uh, Roots, where he played Kunta Kinte. Uh, today's kids will view him as uh, Wakanda, you know, because that's, that's the parallel between that film and, uh, and today's uh, audience. Right. But uh, he was shooting a film, this is after he had finished, he'd become extremely successful and known for playing in Roots. They were shooting a film in Chicago, and it was right up the street from me, 
It was the Ron LaFleur story about a baseball player who was in prison, but he made his way to the major leagues after getting out of prison in Detroit. And so they were filming that in my neighborhood in Chicago, and I must have been about, I'm thinking about maybe 13, 14 years old. And I asked my grandmother, is it possible for me to go up the street to watch them shoot this? And she was very reluctant because her and my grandfather were very protective. We grew up in a very impoverished neighborhood, very dangerous neighborhood. So the last thing she wanted was for her grandson to be out in some place that was very dangerous. So she sent one of my cousins with me and we went up there and we were watching them shoot this film. And LeVar Burton comes out of this bar on the corner and he pointed at the crowd. Now, 13-year-old Joseph thought he pointed at me. <laughs> okay? And I felt then he passed me the baton. Uh. That's the thought. When he walked out and he pointed, it was as if he handed me the baton and said, now it's your turn. And I, re I remember standing there and I was walking home like this with my hand just this way as if a baton had been placed in my hand. And from 13 on, uh, that was my inspiration. Wow. What a moment in time that was. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. So, so you go to L.A., you start, you're teaching, you're, and then what is, what, how did your journey start kind of in this well, process? Well, you know, I was always writing, always writing, and I ended up at a school where a lot of the parents, unbeknownst to me, a lot of the parents were in the industry. So, you know, sometimes God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he put me in the throngs of people who were in the industry. And I would just sit and write. And while I'm doing my work, my schoolwork, I would also be in the classroom putting together, uh, whether it was plays or movies or scripts. And one day a parent came in. Uh, her husband, Charles Burnett, was one of the top directors in all of Hollywood uh, at the time and still is. Uh, she came in to pick up her son's homework assignment. And I had my back to the to the desk and I'm at the board writing some words on the board. And I pointed to my desk as his homework is on the corner. She went to the other corner where my envelope with my script was in and picked that up. And she goes, oh, this looks like a script. I'm like, no, no, the other corner. She goes, are you a writer? I go, yes, I am. She goes, you mind if I read it? I still had no idea who her husband was or who she was. She read the script, came back and her and her husband produced my very first play. And uh, that began my foray into getting my work out there. And it was all by accident. It wasn't planned. I just had it on the desk. She came to pick up her son's homework, who was sick. I pointed over my shoulder. And I must have pointed in the wrong direction because <laughs> she went or the right direction, I guess, is all about perspective. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. So let, let let's get into the this recent project. Uh, I we 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 got to have Ryan O'Quinn on uh, maybe a year ago, I guess it was, um, and and talking about Paul's promise. And then we've tracked kind of the progress as this been, has been launched, and it's it seems like it's gone incredibly well. And I know they've been all over the country, and you all have been and uh, you know had the premiere and the whole thing. And and it it's uh, but there may be people that people watching that didn't get to see Ryan's interview talking about the movie. So maybe you could just kind of walk us through what, what is Paul's promise and, and how did you get involved? Paul's promise is a story of a gentleman named Paul Holderfield senior. He's from North Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, back in the late fifties and early sixties, 
he was a fireman. And, but he also happened to be a person who I like to say was uh, torn between his faith, between uh, doing what was right. And, uh, you know, he had elements of bigotry. And, you know, and during that time period in Arkansas, everything was very segregated. Uh, the film, though the film is set in 67, uh, the incident that the film is basically about actually took place in 1957. And it was during the Little Rock Nine crisis uh, when the nine black students were escorted into Central High School uh, to try to break segregation. And uh, my character, Jimmy Lipkin, comes upon his childhood friend, Paul Holderfield Sr. They hadn't seen each other since they were kids and they both were there at this historical uh, moment. And uh, Jimmy's thinking because he knew Paul as a young man that he was there to support these nine students uh, integrating this high school. But in actuality, he was there as a fireman with some of his other fireman friends who thought differently. Uh, because of the time period. And they were actually there to oversee in case there were some problems and they were there with water hoses and things of that sort, just in case things were to get kind of out of hand. Uh, unbeknownst to Jimmy, he walks over to Paul thinking this is his good friend. It was great to see him. He reaches out his hand to ask him how he's doing, how his mom's doing. And Paul pretended like he didn't know who Jimmy was. Mm. He was aware of the fact that all of his five friends were watching. And they thought differently than young Paul did. And so Paul was torn between doing what was right and what was popular. And uh, in this particular case, he chose to do what was popular at the time. And the story goes on. Uh, when you speak to Paul Holderfield Jr., you find out that that day his father goes back into the fire station and he becomes extremely ill because he felt so horrible about his behavior that he goes home and he tells his wife, Barbara, that he would never, ever be that person again. And that was actually the beginning of his conversion. Uh, it was a 10 year journey, but that moment was the start uh, of him seeing things differently, uh, following the way of Christ, uh, having a, a more opening and, and giving heart. Uh, so that's where the journey began. And the film follows that. It also follows uh, the praying mother, uh, played by the amazing Linda Pearl. Yeah. And, uh, she was just fantastic in the role of Minnie Holderfield. And she would pray for, uh, for Paul and hoping that, because she knew, you know, this mother knew that, that there was something better in her son than what he was exhibiting. And she felt that he was going to go on to do something great in her mind, doing something great was to become a pastor and things of that sort. Uh, but Jimmy's friends and family all laughed at the thought of him becoming a pastor. They even said that he's never even read a book, <laughs> let alone <laughs> reading the Bible. Uh, but she always said that, uh, don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. You know, she truly believed that it was never too late to change your heart. Wow. And the great Dean Kane. Yes. Yes. And anytime you get a chance to work with Superman, you can't go wrong. <laughs> That's he, right. Yeah, he was fantastic. He, he played the captain of the fire station. And uh, in true Dean fashion, uh, he wasn't one of the men 
who were racist. He was actually, you know, trying to see things in the, in the proper way. So that was very cool uh, to have him there. And he did a, an amazing job. And uh, it was, yeah, it was what a great group. I, I we, we've got to have Dean on this program. And and of course, Linda Pearl is a legend. I mean, the, I, I, it is unbelievable the stuff that she has done in her career. And then the O'Quins, Ryan and Heather, Damascus Road and you, I mean, it's it's a fantastic group. Thank you, thank you. It was yeah. it was an honor to be a part of it. It was just, uh, as I've said many occasions, it was purely a, a gift from above. That, that's yeah, sure. yeah. What it's you know, what, what, I mean, obviously this this is a a real story of redemption, you know, and the and. Um, the amazing things that can happen in a, in a life, you know, in a life, in a lifetime by the power of prayer, by the power of God, amazing, you know, story. Um, and it's, and it always strikes me, I mean, you're somebody who's in this business. I am consistently struck by the power that, that these films, that telling a story, the power of story in general, but the way that it can come alive in, in a film like this and the way it can impact other lives is really a huge opportunity, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think what happens, you know, sometimes we don't give, a lot of times, we don't give a lot of credit to our maker and, 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 and to uh, just having faith and, and believing. Uh, ironically, uh, Sherry Rigby, who's also in the film, who plays Ryan's wife, amazing actress. Sherry, myself, and Ryan, we actually weren't supposed to be in the film in the first place. Many things had to happen in order for us to end up in the film. Originally, the three of us weren't designed to be in the film for one reason or the other. And the universe, or the heavens, decided <laughs> that it was uh, imperative that we do get into to this film. I mean, myself, I went in strictly as a writer. I was actually brought in to meet with them to help uh, give some information and, and, and some guidance in the character of Jimmy. Uh, I give Heather and Ryan a lot of credit, uh, them doing a film uh, set in this period with the, uh, a character of color. They reached out to uh, a producer, writer friend of theirs and asked if they knew of a writer that could come in and speak to the voice of Jimmy. And I went in in what was supposed to be a 15-minute meeting with Heather and Ryan and the team at Damascus Roads, and it ended up being three hours. I leave. Wow. I leave because I was on my way uh, to do a World War II film in Lithuania. And I, I ironically, I just got my hair cut because I'm getting ready to go to uh, Budapest uh, tomorrow. And uh, oh, wow. I was like this. I was clean, I was clean shaven. My hair was high, high and tight like a soldier. And so I knew that there was no way that they were considering me for Jimmy Lipkin, who was much older, and I did not fit the description. So I just went in and spoke as a writer. I left, I'm doing the World War II movie. I get a phone call saying, they're interested in you for the role of Jimmy. And I'm thinking that I heard this message wrong. So I called my mom up. I'm like, mom, I think they made a mistake. And she says, baby, God don't make mistakes. <laughs> and uh, I go on, I do this film with the amazing Ryan O'Quinn. And, and as they say, the, the, the rest is history. The film has won so many awards. 
it is, uh, uh, but going back to what you were saying, it's such a touching film beyond, yeah. beyond the accolades. It's, it's the thing that it resonates with people. It resonates yeah. with people. And I think that's the thing that I'm the most proudest of is how we, because uh, A, there's a huge responsibility when you're playing a true story and, yeah. and you're in the room with the family of these real life people. The fear that we felt when we were in Arkansas doing one of the many premieres, uh, Ryan was brave enough to sit up with the family. I wasn't that brave. I sat down below. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't as brave as Ryan was, but Ryan sat right next to him. But he and I were texting back and forth. I'm like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> like, I'm hearing sniffles. I'm, I hope it's a good thing. I'm hearing sniffles. I'm hearing tears. So, and when he and I was just texting like little kids back and forth to one another. Uh, because again, there's such a responsibility. Yeah. When you're telling this true story of this amazing man. I mean, you know, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Paul turned his life around. Yeah. He goes on to start the first integrated church in the South. And now it's become the largest integrated church in the South. This is from the same man who once had bigoted philosophies and beliefs. Yeah. And uh, that's the, the gist of the story. That's the genesis of it. That's the power of it. Right. You know, as, as, as our tagline says, you know, it's never too late to change your heart. And so he just didn't turn around and become a good man. He became such, even to this day when we were down there, the people that he has touched Everyone's walking up to us telling, telling us stories about Brother Paul. And it, it is just such an honor. Uh, I am so thankful that I was able to be part of this amazing movie and the legacy of Paul Holderfield and Jimmy Lipkin and his family as well. Uh, it's not often you get to, to play a role like this. And you know, even back way before I was able to get in front of the camera, I always watched certain roles and thought to myself, those are the ones I would like to play. But you think the Denzels and the Morgan Freemans and the Samuel Jacksons, all the big names would get these types of roles. And for the Lord to see fit to uh, hand this to me, I'm just over the moon. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. And what a great message, you know, that everybody can change, you know, change can happen. A heart can change. And then the power and the faith and the prayer and the, you know, the, uh, that, that's just a message for everybody. I mean, it, it, no matter what you've done or who you were or are or whatever, what your past is, you know, this story of this redeeming, this redemptive story is, is just something that I just think everybody needs to see. And I think we sometimes forget uh, how powerful that is. Yeah. We try to, you know, as, my parents and grandparents would say, and I'm sure many families have heard this before, let go, let God. Yeah. And that's what was drilled in my head. And so I just let go of things. And I put that faith out there and uh, things happen. I mean, you know, here I am, I'm a kid that was stuttering horribly, yeah. horribly. But then I saw actors like James Earl Jones and singers like Mel Tillis. And I followed their story and how they were able to overcome it. And then I kind yeah. of follow them and learn how they get around it. And then that helped me to give me the courage to get past. And then, of course, as a teacher, I'm sitting in front of a class. So I'm practicing every day. Right. You know, so that gave me, you know, the courage to be in front 
and you know, and then uh, opportunities happen, and and I've just been blessed. As I said earlier, I'm literally heading to Budapest. Just went to the barber and shave and everything else to get ready to go play this spike thriller. So wow, yeah, it's that is. And, and let me ask you this question, just in terms of your life, because it sounds to me like you maybe you had one of those praying mothers. Or, you know, so what on your own journey? And I, because I know, you know, I read a little bit of your story. There's, I think, there's been some since we're talking about Hollywood. There's been some plot twists in your own life, and we've all been through stuff. But how? Talk about your own kind of your personal story and how, you know, the power of prayer, the faith, the has kind of has kind of brought you through some stuff. I, uh, yeah, I uh, had some things happen to me uh, with my daughter who yeah. was uh, abducted uh, years ago, uh, back in 2008. And uh, I was part of getting the uh, first child abduction law passed in the history of America named after her and a young boy, Larry Sinclair Jr., the Sinclair Cannon Child Abduction Prevention Act. And, you know, I tell the story about how uh, when you are searching for your missing child for years, six, seven, eight years, and then you somehow or another find him living in a foreign country, using a fake name taken from a graveyard tombstone, uh, there was nothing but faith that got me through that. When I spoke to people and they asked me, how did you, how did you make it through this tragedy, this, this, this challenging times, I said, well, the faith that was instilled in me as a child, uh, the faith that was challenged when my daughter was taken, but it never wavered. And so I said, if I could find my kid living in a foreign country, using a fake name, still sold from a graveyard tombstone, do you think I'm worried about Hollywood? <laughs> I'm worried about anything in life. And so I always tell that story when I talk to people who may be wavering and yes, everyone's pain is different. Everyone's sacrifice and hurdles are different. But I think we all have those moments where our roads are, are challenged. And now then we have to decide, do we take the path of, of doubt? You know, because sometimes when things don't go our way, that's when we question God. That's when we question someone bigger than ourselves. Instead, mm -hmm. of, instead of the opposite. And that's what my grandparents taught me, that when things go wrong, a lot of people go, oh, God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Instead of thinking, okay, there's a reason for this. I may not know why, but I will be led through it. And uh, that's always been my mantra. I mean, I can't take credit. All my grandmother, my grandfather, no doubt. It's 100% those two. Uh, that really instilled that in myself and my mom and passed it down to me and my sisters. And uh, I've been able to incorporate that into my life. So when that incident occurred, I just knew that there was something, there was a reason for me to be out here. And I thought maybe initially it was for Hollywood, but then I realized there was something else. And uh, so I tried to uh, combine those two worlds you know, yes, I, I'm out here and I'm making movies, but I also want to show how through faith, uh, something bigger can occur. Yeah. So I like to try to use 
not just the films like Paul Holderfield and Jimmy Lipkin, but also the stories about my own personal struggles. Yeah. That we can overcome, you know. Yeah. Things. And uh, thank you for, uh, first of all, mentioning that. Uh, I appreciate that a lot uh, because it's, it's something that I'm probably, no, not even probably, I'm most proud of that more than anything else in my life. Yeah. It, it almost sounds like a movie by itself. I mean, I, I mean, somebody saw somebody in England saw a picture of your daughter and then said that that girl's in my son's class at school. I mean, is it almost sounds like a movie by itself, to be honest. Yeah, with it, you. It's, it, was, it was just it's, it's so surreal. And but it was just never, never downing. It was just never downing. I, I remember so clearly uh, Pierce Brosnan was in town. And he was here for the celebration and the anniversary of our law that was taking place uh, in Santa Monica, California at the time. And here I am, I've been for years, trudging away, trudging away. And I'm in the shower and I hear the news say that Pierce Brosnan is gonna be attending the event. And I come out and I get on the phone and I call my mom and I said, your granddaughter has just been found. She goes, house, I don't know, but something in my gut has told me she's just been found. So I go down to the event, meet with Pierce, we speak, we take pictures. This photographer takes those very pictures of me and Pierce, puts it in the Irish newspaper. A woman on vacation in Scotland is in the airport when she sees this Irish newspaper, sees the picture of my daughter and recognizes her as a little girl in her son's class in Liverpool, England. That's how she was found. <laughs> just... And my gut, just hearing Pierce's name says, my child is found. And I don't I... know why I thought that. It just goes back to what we were saying earlier about that constant belief. Heavy oh, belief. my goodness. Praying. Yes. Unbelievable. Thank you. And that daughter is now... Uh, she's she's using the, the the stage name Shay Nicole Collins. Is she's yes. an award-winning director on her own. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She won an award, and I'm just so proud of her. And, and she's doing her thing, and I'm just, you know, just ecstatic that uh, life has uh, found a way to uh, yeah. get us both through all of this. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud to know you. What a story. Joseph Cannon, everybody. Cannon Vision Productions, uh, writer, producer, director, actor, dad, incredible guy. Thank you, sir. Safe travels. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, you uh, getting the team from Paul's Promise. Uh, yeah. Not just yeah. On, on, on your show, but just the other people that you've interviewed over time. It's just... Uh, I've watched and I've gone back and I've seen what you do and it means a lot, I'm sure not just to me, but to everyone who's had an opportunity to be interviewed by you, so. Oh, thank, well, you. thank you very much, that means a lot, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Joseph, great to have you. And, and to all of you, we thank you for watching and we'll see you next time.